Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Twin Cities, it's time for Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, I've been looking forward to this one. Daniel Larson is with us, and he is the founder, the CEO of Kairos. Daniel, welcome. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about Kairos. How are you serving folks out there? Yeah, absolutely. So Kairos is a, a marketplace platform that is is built to serve uh, the providers in this substance use disorder and recovery industry. Um, so we have a, uh, a marketplace of providers that are out helping um, about 700 clients in the Twin Cities community that are suffering and diagnosed with a substance use disorder. Mm. Uh, so we're a, a cloud-based technology that, that connects people that desperately need help with people that are available to help them and qualified to help them. Wow. What, what fantastic work. Let, let's talk about your journey and the entrepreneurial journey you went on and what, what led you to start Kairos? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, born and raised in St. Paul, uh, started kind of entrepreneuring at a young age, uh, went to a, a, a business high school that ironically now is, is out of business, but um, <laughs> always had an interest in, in, in building companies, building systems, uh, bringing uh, new ways to look at, at, at really archaic things. So, um, you know, after several years in small businesses, uh, retail and service businesses, got into to startups uh, about nine, 10 years ago at a company called Field Nation, which was a marketplace to connect um, healthcare, pro- or uh, I'm sorry, IT providers with, uh, with uh, deployments out in the field to, to support kind of IT technician work. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my, in my personal life, um, I've had, you know, several, uh, relatives that have lost to substance use disorder, um, had a, uh, struggled with my own, uh, recovery in 2019 and decided I wanted to do something meaningful, impactful, uh, with all of this breadth of technology that, that I've been able to acquire over the years. And then also just ways of innovating in spaces. And so when I looked at, the recovery industry, there was such an opportunity to help people that were dramatically underserved by technology and modern business practice. And it was something that I could do and, and wake up every day and feel like I, I actually made a change and an impact. Um, so that was kind of the crux of starting Kairos was just how do we, you know, build something that is uh, innovative and, and has a good purpose behind it. And that is so timely in kind of the midst of this opioid epidemic that we're facing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, what a great story. So talk about maybe the, what you learned from your own experience and congratulations on what you've done, uh, in getting to this point in your life that, uh, you must be proud of yourself and, and those that have supported you must be proud of you. Um, Talk about what you learned in that experience specifically that led to thinking about um, the opportunities in founding Kairos. Yeah, absolutely. And so, 
You know, when when I engaged uh, in my own recovery, it was kind of this this thing where, um, you know, you the first thing that you do is you go to to Google, right? And you see what what's out there, like what's what what type of services are out there, what's a good fit for me, um, what do you like? Because recovery is all about what you're willing to do, right? There's a million options out there, but if you're not willing to take any of them, uh, you're probably not very far, right? So, you know, going online, there was 1-800 numbers that you could call that would give you lists, or you could call your local county and they would print out an Excel sheet that said, you know, revised 2009, call through this list. If anybody's still available, um, they can help you. And I started just getting really like anxious, like, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, um, you know, uh, tackle this major obstacle in my life um, and, and ended up uh, finding myself at Teen Challenge. Um, I called, you know, two o'clock in the morning saying, hey, you know, what? I, I, I'm struggling with, with a drinking problem and, and I need some help. Um, they, they had mentioned that, you know, we're kind of full from getting an assessment the way that, that the process starts in the state of Minnesota is a chemical health assessment. Um, and they were like, we're full, but somebody always cancels show up anyway. And so I, I got there 7.30 in the morning, uh, signed myself in and, and waited. And I, I must have been there the, the only day that nobody uh, canceled their appointment. So I sat in the, in the lobby for nine hours. Um, the, but I was kind of just determined and, you know, uh, a, a licensed alcohol and drug counselor actually stayed late to do this assessment and asked me a barrage of questions. And those questions were, were objective questions. They could have been filled out way beforehand. Mm. Um, it didn't require a professional to do so. Um, and I'm like, man, I could have filled all of this stuff out. You guys could have had this information before I got here. Um, and then also there, there was just repetitive questions asking everybody asked what's your first name, last name, date of birth, drug of choice, that kind of thing. And so as I'm starting thinking this, uh, about this and how the, the information was transferred and looking at these people that were, that were great people, um, really passionate about helping, but didn't have enough bandwidth to think about how they were doing things differently. Um, just looking over the shoulder, looking at a, at, at a, at a tool that looked like an old access database and, and just understanding that, um, the technology community, um, actually owes it to, to this group of people that are doing this fantastic work to build something better. And so, you know, as I started thinking about it and, and, and going through the process for, for a couple of months and just understanding what information wasn't being retained and, and things like that. And then thinking about uh, my, my little brother um, who we, I, I actually lost to, to addiction last year. Mm. Uh, you know, he went through, I don't know, I would say 12 or 13 different treatments and that's including Hazleton. That's including, you know, shipping to Florida mm-hmm. to see if we his environment, all this other things. And none of these people were sharing information. And so you think about, one of the, the, the oldest issues of, uh, that stuff, like the community suffers, which is mental health and substance use disorder. Um, you think about the, um, the dramatic impact it has not only on the economy, but the, the resources that we pour into it and, and how visible it is to quality of life when you're walking around the city. And we're not even getting them the technology that, that companies were using 10 years ago or five years ago. 
And so um, giving uh, kind of a holistic 360 view of, of the client is kind of where we started. Mm-hmm. How, how everybody that's involved in participating and throwing a lot of time into these people, how do they get on the same page so they, they, they can move faster and be more uh, prescriptive with their advice, be more prescriptive and intentional with the things that they're um, recommending that these people do. Um, and then doctors kind of using all that information to get a, the right prescription regimens or um, place them in the right group counseling session and, and matching them with providers. I mean, all of these things are kind of table stakes in normal technology marketplaces. And, and there's no concept of that at all in the industry. Um, so, so there was an opportunity there. And, and honestly, if you think about the impact that the opioid epidemic has had on just the society and, and how, um, how, uh, you know, just, just devastating it is, especially when you think about underserved populations, which is something that we focus on quite a bit, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that they are just disproportionately impacted and their resources are, are nothing. And you look at rural, um, rural um, uh, communities and things like that, um, where we, we can't even get the people out there because there's not enough providers for the people that need help. And so what we do with our technology is we rapidly scale the workforce. We upskill workforces from other in adjacent industries so part of our model is taking people in recovery that have a year of sobriety that makes them qualified as a peer recovery specialist because they have a lived experience and they've done it successfully for a year, which dramatically improves their chances. We give them free training where the only uh, non-scholarship-based uh, free training in the state of Minnesota, we train or, uh, people for free that go to competing organizations and things like that um, because we know we need to get the workforce out there. And so we take people that don't have a lot of skills, uh, except for their life skills and recovery. We train them, we get them certified, and then we give them a livable wage job to go from somebody that is on, you know, group residential housing or housing support, on SNAP benefits, on prepaid medical or uh, um, prepaid medical assistance programs or, or PMAPs in the state or Medicaid assistance programs. And they're taking up all of these uh, state and tax dollars. We train them, we get them qualified to go and help somebody that's on day one of recovery. And we, we give them a job where they, they make on average $20, $21 an hour. And so now they can do a lot of things that they couldn't do in the past. They're not a drain on the system. They're, they're, they're tax paying um, providers. Uh, and, and it's just a net benefit to everybody involved. The community is better because you have somebody that's engaged in recovery. The people that are just entering in recovery are getting support and, and, um, people are able to do some of the things that, um, you know, kind of devastated their life in the first place. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't offer condolences for your brother. I mean, that, uh, for you to keep going and, 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 uh, um, make it happen in your company through the, through all that as well, um, is admirable. So I, we're, we're sorry to hear about him and, um, and I guess I want to kind of summarize a little bit. I think of what I think I heard you say with your brother's experience, your experience, um, and others that you've seen, it sounds like what you're doing 
is removing friction in the system. I mean, in, in terms of being able to get signed up and get, get that recovery going, because you, you've got patients there that like are on the edge, right? I mean, and they may, they may run into a roadblock and it's like, suddenly that may stop them from going forward. Right. I mean, is that, is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. So, so a hundred percent. And actually that's, that's what Kairos means. It's a play on the ancient word of Kairos, which means the right opportune time. Mm. So you have Kronos, which is chronological time and Kairos, which is the right time. Mm -hmm. If you think about somebody that is on, let's, let's use opioids as a fantastic example of, of needing to have the most frictionless experience. But if you decide to take stop taking opioids after a fentanyl addiction or a heroin addiction or, or whatever, you're physically ill within seven to eight hours after doing that, sometimes as early as six. So if you don't get an opioid replacement prescription, if you don't get in somebody with supervision, you have you you become physically ill and your body is telling you you need more of that drug, right? And so if you think about the most animalistic um, you know, survival mechanism of like, I just need to do this because my body's telling me I need it. And I'm running into long waits or people asking me frustrating questions or, or even wasting time and getting me where I need to go. Um, and that's, you know, if they have the time to help you that day, we, we talked to some organizations that they, they have people who are saying, I'm ready to go into treatment. And they're like, yeah, we will see you next Thursday. So just hang in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if there's not enough people to help, if there's not a, a system that can uh, kind of traffic cop these things into the right place, um, you know, people lose opportunities to get better. And that might be their last time because oh, the overdose rates are, are extremely high. Um, the, the, the mental health piece of it um, makes it very difficult and you're dealing with the most elusive population um, that our society encounters. And so um, it's really important to remove that friction and, and tackle those barriers. Folks, we're chatting with Daniel Larson. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Kairos. Um, so Daniel, let's talk about um, it's the services that you're providing. Um, you, you, you mentioned matching up um, those in recovery with um, providers, uh, uh, specialists, what have you, expand on the on the services that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what Kairos is in in essence, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, is is kind of a business process outsourcing platform. So, John, say that you are uh, you are a nurse practitioner that specializes in family medicine. And you're like, you know, I have I have a 40 hour a week job where I'm seeing clients, but I have a passion to help people um, in the substance use disorder. I just don't want to make it my career. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Kairos allows that provider to get trained to become a medically assisted treatment waived um, provider. Um, and then we provide a platform where they can um, they can create a profile get the liability insurance that they need, the malpractice insurance that they need. They have instantaneous uh, contracted um, relationships with all of the providers to bill for their services. And then they have a host of clients that they can help that need their speciality. And so when you're thinking about 
trying to add more bandwidth to an overstressed system. We're taking all of the access back bandwidth and, and providing that business process outsourcing for them to step into private practice, maybe just an hour, maybe just five hours, maybe just 10 hours a week. And so we can collect, you know, a lot of good people that care uh, uh, about their community, um, but just don't have the, the wherewithal to see people that are hurting as bad every, every day um, of, the, of the week. And so when you think about how we do that with medically assisted treatment providers, we do that with licensed alcohol and drug counselors, and we do it with the peer recovery specialists that I mentioned earlier. It, it really is t- it taking all of this excess energy from people that really want to help um, people that desperately need it. And, and we give them all of the, you know, the, the effort of, of turning on a light switch or signing up for a platform, right? I can go in, log in, uh, log two hours a week or 40 hours a week, depending on, you know, where you're at in your career. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to think of the um, the licensing process uh, as an organization, you just have to have your own professional cr- credentials. You don't have to go contract with insurance companies that generally take six to nine months to, to engage. You don't have to pay for your own insurance, uh, malpractice insurance, your general liability insurance. You have all of that through the platform. Mm-hmm. And the way that we produce revenue is we just take a percentage of that transaction from the insurance companies uh, and then we pay the rest of the provider. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So, what? How does how does the app work? I mean, does does the does it start with the person that's in recovery or wants to be in recovery? Does it start with the provider? How do how does it how does the where do you enter the picture? I guess is the is the question. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the way that we 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 work right now is we work as a technology enabled service that partners with organizations, right? Mm-hmm. So we we grab um, large pools of providers and and the space that need it, uh, and then we partner with big either treatment organization, housing organizations, community organizations that have a, a service of a, a of a big population of people, and then we have them download the technology and find a provider that works for them based on, on a lot of different criteria, right? So, so if you think about some of the, let's just uh, take, um, yeah, we support a, a, a place in North Minneapolis that services uh, victims of human and sex trafficking, right? Um, so these are women uh, that were um, either um, human trafficked or, or worked as sex workers, um, had, had, been, uh, had created an addiction through their experience there. And some of these women have children. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it served sexual abuse, trauma and things like that. They can't just have any first available provider. Like I couldn't go in there as 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 a you know 30 something year old male and, and go and provide help for this women because I look a lot like the people that cause them the pain in the first place. Right. And yeah. so we have to match the right person to, to the right population. The way we do that is we work with the organizations that understand, because if you think about um, the way that this industry works, it's a lot of, uh, of kind of um, niche providers that do that because they understand the particular circumstance of the population that they provide. And so we use that uh, framework for these organizations to feed our algorithms on how to match the right provider. And we say, okay, it, it, it looks like this. It looks like, you know, this person needs a, a, a female provider that uh, has some, um, you know, has some issues with, 
uh, or has some experience issues with uh, child protective services or uh, mental health or, uh, uh, you know, sexual assaults or things like that. And we say, this is the right person that's going to give you the best opportunity for success. You guys should help like work together and you should help this person. Um, so that's the way in essence that it, that it works. Um, the, the providers have full autonomy of the people that they want to work with. They only work with the people that they think they can really help. And the clients have full ultimate choice. And, and that's, um, that is something that is really difficult to wrap your head around when you're, when you're in a position of, of going through recovery, right? You're so desperate. You'll help the first person that says yes. And that might not be your best opportunities for success. So what we do is we create a system that gives you a, 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 an options of of people, but we give you the first, uh, the people that statistically are going to have to give you the best help. Let's talk specifically about the types of organizations and specialists that you work with so that folks are clear on that. If we can, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where we have found a lot of benefit, um, is, is going into underserved populations and partnering with organizations that are already in, those in, in those geographies, right? So um, we work with, uh, you know, the East African Somali community uh, mm. quite, quite uh, immensely. And so when we went in there, um, we could go in there and say, hey, you know, we're going to provide all of these services. We have a list of providers and displace the people that are already doing good work in those communities. Uh, and and that that's, you know, that's disruptive, but that's not enabling, right? What, what we want to do is we want to bring the community together. So when we went to go work with these, these organizations, what they didn't realize is a lot of the work that they're doing, if they had the right contracting, if they had the right credentials, if they had the right business infrastructure, could actually get reimbursed for the work that they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Instead of taking government grants, instead of taking, uh, private donations, instead of going through foundations, they can actually um, use a system, document the things that they do, and and then bill against a a fee-for-service policy with the state of Minnesota that these people are already using, right? So it's underused services uh, that the state has said, this is what we need to support to solve the problem. And so that has impacts in in dramatic ways, right? So we can reduce uh, grant funding, uh, that goes into communities, or it, or shift grant funding to things that are more more appropriate that aren't aren't um, reimbursable by insurance. Right. The other thing is that it, it puts a three hundred and sixty uh, perspective on the care that the client is getting, and so now not only do you know that this person's going through treatment through a. a a licensed treatment center and they're kind of, and, and they're getting better, but they're also going through uh, a, a psych med management or a psychiatrist to get on uh, mental health medication that they're doing. And then, Oh, by the way, they're also working with these community organizations that are specific to their, uh, to their cultural background and, and, and getting help. And so we do that with um, the, the East African Somali community. We do that with uh, reentry populations or justice involved people. We work with uh, the counties and their drug courts, uh, federal probation reentry, um, victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, um, uh, victims of, of sexual assault, uh, assault and rape, 
um, and, and uh, a lot of, of those populations. And then women with children, which is a very underserved population in the state because their, their situation is so complex and nuanced, it's really hard to navigate. And so we can create a framework to make that a lot easier. Wow. What great work, folks, from uh, Daniel Larson. Daniel's the CEO, the founder of Kairos. So let, let's uh, be clear on how the app gets paid for, how this, uh, how the service gets paid for. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, we we gather the qualified professionals, get their credentials, establish insurance contracts, and they provide billable service to people that have qualified insurance policies. And then we go and we bill insurance just like any treatment center would, uh, any uh, recovery community organization, any hospital, any clinic. Um, the insurance reimburses those, those services. We take a service fee from that transaction and then we pay the provider. Wow. It's as simple as that, folks. That's, I mean, it's simple. It, it's simple hearing it. It's not simple you putting it together, which is, makes all this work so well um, for all those involved. So th- this is great. Um, but let, I would love it, Daniel, as we kind of come down to the end of our interview, if you could share a success story, maybe. Um, I know you've had some early successes, and maybe if you could share one of those, that would be great. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of my favorite success stories um, comes from from one of our very first clients, um, and it, it, it it's so um, it, it it's it, it seems like not a big deal, right? But you have to understand, like when you're going through recovery, um, the the amount of shame, the lack of dignity, a lot of the things that kind of take things away from you. Um, really starts taxing on, on the, on the people. So, you know, we, we had this gentleman and he was one of our first clients, uh, and he was just coming out of a year long treatment program. Um, and, and so he graduated and he was going to sober living and his, he wanted to find a job or was required to find a job as, as a, um, as a condition of his, his probation, but then also a condition of, of him graduating treatment. And so he worked at Chick-fil-A for like, 1250 an hour or something like that. Um, so we, we assigned them with the peer recovery specialist and said, okay, what do you want? What do you need to do to be successful? And he's like, you know, I haven't seen my wife. Um, and I don't know how long I can't see my kids. Um, you know, my job's not altogether that great. So I can't afford to pay my fines and things like that. I'd love to get my license back. Uh, and I would love to have a place of my own because I've never had my own apartment. And so we put together a recovery wellness plan and we started knocking things out out of the list. Um, So we knew in order for him to get his license back, he had uh, to find a birth certificate. Um, His birth certificate is not as straightforward as you would think because he didn't know who his father was or where, where, what state he was actually born in because he was kind of um, displaced through the upbringing. And so we had to track down his birth certificate, found that, put him on a course to get his license back. You know, uh, he was he had a job at Chick-fil-A, but had never taken the public transit system. So we rode the bus to teach him how to how to take the the public transit system Mm. Um, with that. He wanted to get a better job. And so we helped him search for jobs, put together a resume, 
Adam apply at the Amazon warehouse in Shakopee. Um, he got a job, went from, from $12.50 an hour to over $20 an hour, uh, started saving up money. In that process, he came off of, uh, of state-funded housing. He came off of state-funded insurance. He got his own private insurance. He saved up money to get his own apartment um, and then also got a car. Mm. Uh, and then he came in and he... <laughs> um, got reunited with his wife and his daughter. And now they all live, or I'm sorry, his son. And, and now they all live in the same apartment together and they've been reunited. So we're able to reunite this whole family by systematically working through things that a, a doctor or a, uh, you know, a chemical health counselor is not going to work through you because they're the things that, you know, aren't medical or clinical in nature. These are life things that people just need to get hurdles from. And so by giving them that kind of, multiple times a week touch point with real practical things that, that, that they can do. Um, we were able to just remove what, what seemingly most people would look at and it's like, how can you not ride the bus or how do you not know how to look for your own job or things like that? And, and these are, there are people that never even thought that was possible. Um, and so we were able to get him reunited with his family and then off of about uh, $75,000 in state funded programming. Wow. What uh, what a great story. Um, real quick, before we wrap it up, Daniel, is it, I mean, we're, we're talking about the state of Minnesota, but are your, is the app, can that be used in other States as well? If we've got folks listening that are in other States. Yeah, absolutely. So, so state expansion is, is absolutely top of mind right now. So, uh, we're, we're about to launch a pilot in Washington state, um, we're, we're working on launching a pilot in Colorado as well. Um, and then just having really preliminary talks in Ohio, but our goal is to be in, in 10 new States, uh, by June of 2023. Terrific. Daniel Arson, uh, what great work folks. Uh, he's the founder and CEO of Kairos. Uh, Daniel, this has been, uh, quite a pleasure speaking with you. Congratulations on the great work you're doing, you're doing important work and we're just honored to be able to celebrate it, but let's get to the most important question, which I know there are folks listening that would like to be in touch. So let's tell them how they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you'd like to be in touch, just uh, reach out to us on our, on our website is Kairos, K-Y-R-O-S dot care, C-A-R-E or info at kairos.care. And we would uh, love to help anybody that, uh, that would need it and, and happy to partner with anybody that is interested. Terrific. Daniel Larson, folks, founder, CEO of Kairos. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey folks, that does it for this edition of Minneapolis, St. Paul business radio be sure and join us next time. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to, there's a number of different URLs, but minnesotabusinessradio.com is just one or go to your favorite podcast app. For my, fa- for my guest, Daniel Larson, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio.